1: Hi, I'm Herb Dean. If you like MMA, and if you like to laugh, check out the One Punch podcast at BT Sport. This is Bruce Buffer. Tune in to the One Punch pod on BT Sport.
0: So welcome back to the One Punch pod here on BT Sport. Me, Brian Lacey, alongside... Mr. Brad One Punch Picket. Mr. Bradley One Punch Picket. Sir One Punch Picket. Uh, back for another episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the support uh, on a. I would almost say it's a quiet week. There's no UFC, but we've been uh, enjoying the social media side of, I would say enjoying is probably the wrong adjective there, of, uh, of what goes on with MMA. Twitter beefs, mate. You, you wouldn't ever get involved in anything like that, would you? Uh, you're, not, you're above <laughs> that, aren't you, mate? Yeah, um. this is now, now you're a champion of the people. You would never entertain any, anything like that, would you? I
2: seldom get involved in uh, anything like that, but uh, every now and again, someone
0: needs to be put in their place. <laughs> And you can just check out his Twitter feed if you want to find out what's going on there. But let's see what's been going on with the world of MMA. We've got a, a show of, packed full of information, a great interview coming up as well with Mr. Mike Brown. So what we got on this week? We've got Twitter Wars with uh, Conor and Habib. We'll touch on that. Um, ATT and Dustin Poirier's coach, your best friend, your man, that's guided you through your MMA career. Mr. Mike Brown is going to be joining us uh, on the phone. We've got a breakdown for UFC 236, and we've got a few other bits of news kicking around the world of MMA. So let's start straight off with that Twitter beef that grabbed what was set to be a quiet week in the world of MMA with no UFC on uh, this weekend just gone, but it caught the attention. Habib and Connor going at it, some just crazy tweets as far as insults, uh, bringing family, religion into it, Uh, (laughs) some massive accusations as well, and uh, I mean, you saw it unfold. Let's just get your reactions to start with. Obviously, this would never be
2: around twenty years ago, ten years ago, where social media wasn't as present as it is. You know, with social media I kinda of feel like everyone has a voice. Uh which sometimes is a good thing, but also you can see sometimes it's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh and also everyone anyone could directly speak to someone, but it's always out and open. It's not as if like me and you had an argument, it's like behind closed doors. It's is like me and you have an argument, but everyone's witnessing. So everyone throws their two pence in here. Sometimes things get mis uh, interpreted, you know, yeah. like people's actions and stuff like that. That's why I always say before you press send on the tweet button, just double think what you're writing. Yeah, yeah, I have to, especially as 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 a professional athlete and someone in the public eye, there's a lot of people looking on, a lot of people who look up to you. You really have to have a little bit more responsibility on of your tweets
0: you know Uh, let's look at some of the tweets because it all kicked off Habib posted something which just said great feeling after five championship rounds uh, see you soon my uh, fans very soon and thank all the guys for the support all these years Connor jumps in with you got your money uh, and your brother's eye socket got shook when you fought me you little rat viva Las Vegas the gaff always wins big stomper party win coming soon proper whiskey all that sort of stuff Habib then goes money comes and goes the honour you lost that evening will never return live with it finish the career career in MMA start a career in Twitter now that's deep yeah. already yeah and then he said then he gets deeper <laughs> and he goes real deep mate he says Connor goes don't be scared of the rematch you little scurrying rat you will do what you are told like you always like to do then he posts a picture of his coach with a, uh, a shiner on the right eye I smacked your brother around uh, and took it as something in his hat almost it there and then this is the bit that really kicked it off as far as the controversy Connor, I, I believe Habib had mentioned something about Connor always being like the jealous wife, threatening to leave and then staying around. So talking yeah. about him retiring, not retiring when he was asked, asked a question on that. And then Connor McGregor's response, he posted a picture of Habib at his wedding with your wife as a towel mate with a picture of her uh, sat next to him in the in the shroud that they were during during that Muslim ceremony and that's when it all really kicked off so uh, Abdulaziz got involved Connor then started attacking some of the other fighters one of the ones that's just been banned from uh, usada and habib put his own uh, two panels within with uh, posting the picture of Connor and the lady in, in the bathroom where he said, uh, this is quoting Habib A rapist, you are a rapist, you are a hypocrite who is not responsible for your actions. Justice will find you. We will see at Notorious. That's that's getting deep here.
2: It, I mean, it's getting beyond... Where's the line, yeah, mate? Yeah. Where I mean, is the line? They've gone way past it. We, both, we... both of them have, obviously one thing he's going to say is he's going to cause a reaction and I do think, I love Conor kind of the bits. I think he's done fantastic things for this sport but I just think now he's just getting, it's just getting a little bit OTT, if you know what I mean. It's, I mean, it's getting beyond, it's getting personal. As in, I don't mind two people being personal to each other. When you start bringing in outside objects of like family, even friends, training partners and whatever like well, that. Wives, religion. W- wives, religion. These are, these are bigger just,
0: subjects. These these yeah. are things that can affect how other people think and feel. And if you want to look at the Conor McGregor effect, you just had to see when he first uh, started making waves, but I think it was six years ago he fought Marcus Brimage in, in Stockholm. Yeah. All of a sudden, around Dublin, you had young men growing the beards, walking around with a swagger in the suits, copying what he does. You've got to be aware that the way you say it can echo down there uh, down through the people 100%. that look up to you
2: right? yeah 100% I mean I, I think now because of uh, of this monster kind of what, what's Conor McGregor has become like a, a massive thing within MMA he, he's going to have a lot of people looking up to him and say oh this is how I could or should succeed within the sport um, so he has to have a little bit of responsibility but he probably he, I mean like I've met him quite a few times and he's a really nice humble guy and with him it always seemed that his Twitter beef and his arguments are always with his weight class, which I respect. You know, like, you don't, you know, stick to people he's going to or and, could fight. Yeah. And, he, and he will fight them, you know. Yeah. So, like, cool, we could try out all this sort of stuff, but then we're going to fight. Where well, obviously, w- with this boom, it's, it's created other people like that, a bit like uh, Kobe Covington, mm. which is taking it t- to a different level where. He's insulting anyone. People's cats and dogs are (laughs) in trouble here. You know, like, like he's not just his weight class. All weight classes, the countries, you know, use name it. Yeah, I mean, I just think sometimes it's like I say, it's not WWE, right? Yeah, it's not make. Yeah, again, I don't want any spoilers here. It's not like make believe. WWE is not real. It's all scripted kind of thing, right? This is real. So you start chatting rubbish to fighters, right? And you start causing beef with fighters. You're going to be fine. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like, that's what Conor wants. Conor wants that fight. It's fine. But then you get other people who like someone like a uh, Kobe Covington who's Talking all this sort of stuff, and then he gets a boomerang thrown at him. <laughs> like, from like, Vadoom, from, from Australia, yeah, Vadum. He's never going to fight Vadoom. Verdum, Vadoom's like massive compared to him. So, it's like,
0: good thing to throw, though, isn't it, mate? Because at yeah. least you know you're going to get it back. Yeah, that's it. And so, you're not but, wasting yeah. your money on that.
2: But, like I was saying, you you got to watch out what what checks your, your mouth's writing, you know, like, because your body can't cash them always. And, like, you're someone big, still gonna come and find you, you know, and and there's always a consequence. And, like, you say, when you were this. When you're talking to fighters like, like myself, I never really got into like I said, Twitter beef as such, you know. I always respected everyone within my sport. because uh, it's not easy to do what we do. Get in there, fight, it takes it, it takes a lot of nerves. So that's why I always say I respect everyone whoever uh but any level, UFC to 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 local show, it's not easy mentally to get in there. So as soon as you've done that walk, mm. I have a massive respect for you. So like th- then then that's why if anyone really got a bit of Twitter beef with me, kind of thing, I think it's very personal because I'm like, hey, what's rattled your cage? I'm keep myself to myself. And so for me, it makes it more personal. And when it's personal like that, I would want to fight you. Feel a little bit like Khabib. Khabib never really worries about money or fame. Yeah, he's all about respect and honor. And I'm a little bit like that as well. So like, if I feel disrespected. I will see you, you know, and it doesn't have to be in the cage or ring or whatever it is. And we'll fight. And if you want to sell it out, we'll fight. I don't need the money. I don't need the fame, you know, behind closed doors, whatever. Normally, if I get in most sort of anything like that, I normally always message the person privately because I don't like to, you know, make a scene. You know, like, hey, if you've got a problem with me, let's take it off air and let's chat about it and let's, let's sort it out, you know, kind of thing. And uh, obviously, I'm not saying that Connor and, and Khabib are going to do that, but... I'd
0: uh, like to see their DMs,
2: mate. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but it's one of those ones where now, this is wherever they go, they can't be within the silly of each other. is just causing so much hassle It Makes around. the
0: fight harder to make as well yeah. because now now you've got to look and... and we. What country had, are you going to do it in? Exactly, where are going to do it? And no matter where you do it, you're going to bring fans together, fans that are going to be yeah. fighting, waving the flags, representing the, the fighters there behind and, and yeah, whatever ramifications kick off from this are going to echo into the stands, which is dangerous. But even Kevin Gastelum, he was talking in his interviews this week on the media day for UFC 236 and he was saying, you've got to be careful because this is... Moving to the point where it's now becoming dangerous, and I don't want to give it the the t- too close to the the thing of the old hip hop rivalry, Tupac versus Biggie, where they're rapping against each other, and then suddenly, yeah, the, you but, lose. but then
2: also, you're thinking about even like that. That 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 wasn't Tupac shooting Biggie. No, it was one of these whatever. It could be a fan, could be what. you I mean, like yeah, yeah. So when you when you're these, this sort of high profile, you have. What I call your your minions, who will do a lot of your fighting for you, who worship you, will do some crazy stuff and stupid stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting. Silly.
0: Well, it's it's when you hit those nerves, isn't it? And religion, especially when you're talking about uh, the Habiban and the country he comes from, it's it's so so part of their culture. It's I mean, in England, we've we've got lots of multicultural religions. It's. Uh, it's there, but there's also, we're, we're not like America or like, I go to Russia a lot and Dagestan, Chechnya, it's, it's a very religious place and it's it's so high up on there. Um, it's all about respect. isn't Totally. You? Whenever I, go, I me personally, I'm not that religious myself. But if I
2: went to uh, some country, it was, was religious. You respect it? I would respect that religion. If I go to someone else's house, I respect their house laws. You know, like, take your shoes off as you walk in the front door. Okay, cool don't do that you know you just it's called respect and I, I think everyone people in life are two different ways me I respect everybody until I'm chosen not to respect you, you let, until you lose my respect you yeah, have other people who don't respect anyone but you have, they
0: have to earn your respect which is I think is a backwards way of doing things yeah I'm just a bit worried that you've got lots of friends that have house laws mate that's, that's coming, you, <laughs> my, my, coming to my house you know my wife has got house laws 100% <laughs> no, <laughs> shoes off you know yeah. It. Sing in the kitchen, dance, yeah. all that. It's uh, it's it's got to the point now where as well, Dana White has actually stepped in. Now this is, this is the other other flip side of the um, coin. The UFC and MMA fighters who are signed to the UFC, there's no code of conduct, right? You don't get told when you fought for the UFC when you were under that they didn't say to you a
2: little bit. We, we, but, I went to a UFC um, fighter somewhere, so we we, were taking, uh, yeah, yeah. we, we went, I went to one of these ones, and they kind of gave you like a borderline of like what you should and shouldn't do, kind of thing, right? But this is the thing, is obviously I think social media has helped UFC get to where they are now. How how it's made UFC Fire so so connected to the fans because they could chat, you know, and and, that, and it makes never in a million years that I thought I could write a tweet to Brad Twitter. Brad Twitter. Ha ha ha. Woo! Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, and like he would see it, or David Beckham, yeah. like, hey mate, you look, you look great today in your match, or you look crap. You know, <laughs> I don't, it. I don't think he would see that message. No, but now, obviously, with this sport, as in like in football, I believe I don't know if it's changed now, but a lot of football teams ban their football players from social media. Yep, they weren't right. allowed to do nothing. Allowed to tweet about the Same game Same with the NBA,
0: you, NHL. You, there's there's uh, certain restrictions on what yeah. you can do on social media, what you can post, all that stuff. But with the UFC, they kind of gave you like a
2: free reign, you know. But obviously, back in the day, there were consequences, you know. Like I think it was Miguel Torres yeah, I, I won't, right. won't repeat the tweet yeah, what yeah. he did, but he got booted out of the UFC for a tweet he did. Yeah, you know. Uh, I think other people have been disciplined for that. So you have to be very careful. Uh, just say things I always say this to be honest because my mum told me this you have nothing nice to say don't say it simple
0: simple as and me. then we're
2: living a good world aren't we
0: yeah if you have nothing nice to say don't use a 240 characters <laughs> to, to insult somebody across the world but yeah. I think it's one of the beauties of MMA and the UFC it's how I got in involved in the sport i would just started interacting with fighters uh, even you mate that's how that's how we met i sent you a little dm you yeah. told me delete that picture <laughs> <laughs> stop sending me them and then from there this relationship was blossomed but, exactly but that interaction is not something you get with like you said the premier league or, or with nba or f- footballers uh, in the nfl you, you don't get that and this is where you can see, because Dana stepped in, and it's the first time I've seen him properly step in uh, on something like this. He came in and said, I'm aware of recent social media exchange between Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. The ongoing situation has escalated to a level that is unacceptable. As such, we are taking necessary steps to reach out to both camps, and this situation is being addressed um, by all parties internally. So that's them stepping in, and that says a lot. If Dana is getting on his Twitter, and, and because he can see that this is going to be dangerous, right? 100%, 100% he, I mean, like, he should be the voice of reason, really,
2: and hopefully he, he is the face of the UFC as such. So, like, he doesn't want to get involved as such, but he, I think he had to. It would be a shame, He was though, getting it?
0: a little bit... It was getting a little bit... He, he could see where this was going. But this, the problem is, we, um, we, we won't know where this has gone until something happens, will yeah, we? If, exactly. if they fight and we get through it and it's all good and it's done and dusted, that's that's us getting away with it. Yeah. If something happens on the run-up to a fight at one of the press conferences or they're in the same building or in the same I mean, city I mean, like, or... I mean,
2: like, even now, because like, how would you... Before how, how it started, I don't think you could even do a press conference at all with, with this fight now, nope. if this fight ever happened. You know, you, I don't think you even could do a face-off. You know, like, because... Putting, I, th- I no. think
0: people will just headbutt him or something you know like, I mean like for me I'm, I'm not even thinking about them me I'm thinking about the fans because yeah. that's me, that means you bringing together two groups of fans which are already flying heated. high yeah, and heated yeah. the Irish fans are very passionate and yeah. Russian fans
2: are very passionate as well so you have those two nations yeah I can't see it not spilling
0: outside into the crowd. Well, that's uh, we will obviously follow that story as it goes on. As far as the UFC's responsibility in this, do you think that statement does enough? Do you think the UFC should do a bit more for to um, tell fighters yes. what to do? Yes, I mean, like I, I think
2: there needs to be a bit more uh, these fighter summits and like people getting because I didn't do much because I just have common sense, you know. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have any like uh, really anyone telling me what I can, I can't say. I, I could just like yeah. Just take a, just say the most obscene tweet and uh, and not have much consequences, you know. So I think there needs to be a lot more consequences. Guidelines yeah, well, guidelines, guidelines and can, then also yeah, repercussions yeah, because yeah. It,
0: it does affect. So, so we'll see how that that unfolds. We have got uh, UFC two three six coming up, and that's that will not be overshadowed by this because we've got some great fights on that. Also, as one part as uh, of the main event, Dustin Poirier is fighting Max Holloway. You know, man, very uh, special to you. And they will be in the corner of Dustin Poirier. There's Mr. Mike Brown. And we're going to get him on the phone right now. So here we are. We are joined by none other than Mr. Mike Brown. Thanks for joining us, mate. Good morning to you, I should say. Oh,
1: yeah, right on. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Good luck.
0: How many uh, cups of coffee you already had? Oh,
1: uh, this is number three.
0: We're, we're going strong this morning. Number three, mate. There, there you go. Well, well welcome. It's uh, it's great to have you on here. Now, I'm having to spend a lot of time with Brad Pickett. This is something that you've dealt with for a long time, so I'm just going to reach out man to man and go, how do you do it, mate? What, What's the secrets? How do, how do you cope with this madness? <laughs> uh, I, it's
1: always, hey, it's always entertaining. Of course, a great entertainer.
0: <laughs> I mixed the word entertaining with slightly annoying as well, mate. That's it. It's like having a little kid running around your heels all the time. How long ago? How long ago did you two meet? I mean, what what was your thoughts when the saloon doors opened and this little kid from London swaggered in?
1: Oh man, it's actually a funny story. I remember the day literally they they literally dropped him off at my doorstep. He was uh, training in England, and I think he was making a you know wanted to improve his, his skill set. And I think we had a, some sort of deal with Cage Rage, and they sent over uh, a couple guys. And uh, I was living in a fighter house at the time, and. Literally, they, they dropped him off. This guy with his bags, he was wearing, you know, some funky colored uh, sweatshirt and a, and a Bruce Lee baseball cap. Oh, I
0: still have that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's when you first met. And so, your training partners to start with, because I'm staring at right now, mate, at a uh, WEC figurine with you. Uh, with your six-pack and pecs out there, and on the front of it, you've written, two Brads couldn't have done it without you. Are you sure about that statement? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? You you look look, look pretty good before that. I don't know if this helped or hindered. Are you sure about that statement? Do you want me to scribble it out?
1: Take a look at Brad. Look at his face. I did all that. I I did all that. I I honestly,
2: the most beans I've ever had is from my brand, to be honest,
0: yeah, but but you did tell me that you taught Mike Brown how to do the Peruvian necktie, is that, is that, <laughs> is that right, Mike? Is that right?
1: Oh, there's, there's many, uh, he has a way to to uh spin things on people, he's got, he's got a good way, good way to spin things.
2: I, I tell you this story so, like, my brand obviously showed me how to do Peruvian necktie. I then go on and, and actually win a fight by proving it to One of the, I think it was the first one in WEC. One of the, one of the rarest ones, kind of thing, right? So then I decided to go back to the gym and try to teach Mike how to do his own move. <laughs> and I was like, No, this is how I do it, Mike. And he starts arguing, but I'm like, Hey, I got paid for this, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh,
1: there was many of these. This was not one time incident. Okay, so- This happened all the time.
0: And what, what was it like? I mean, you, you trained with him and then obviously moved more into the coaching role. What What's it like coaching him? Because I've heard rumors that you had to separate him and John Lineker from sparring days. Is that right?
1: Uh, I mean, John came at the end of uh, Brad's career, I remember. I mean, he, he didn't come a whole lot. But I remember a couple of days they had some crazy wars. Uh, I don't know how many times they sparred, but it was many. It was pretty chaotic. I mean, they both throw hard. They both go toe to toe. And it was definitely not not good for both of them. Probably somebody's <laughs> gonna end up getting hurt. You know, it's like, whoa, we gotta separate these dudes. These guys throw down too much.
0: That's a main event on any UFC, is isn't it? There you go,
2: Ronnie. Do you want to tell tell them the story uh, about me me and you when we first first started sparring about the gloves and stuff?
1: Oh, this is a, yeah, this is an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. The, I remember the first time we we started sparring, and he hits me, and he's like, my knees buckled. I got wobbled. <laughs> I was like, no wonder they call him One Punch. You know, I, I remember thinking that he hit so damn hard. You know, And, and it was the first time we went. You know, and, and I didn't know anything about him except his nickname was One Punch. So like, I was like, damn, this is really, this is true. <laughs> uh, this might have been, I don't know, a couple months later, one day we were chatting and I started, like, I picked up his gloves. I was just playing with them because they were, they were funky. They were bright yellow. But then I realized, these were toy gloves. These weren't even real gloves. <laughs> you were. There was no. There was no ounces. They were like size medium.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness! Like gloves from. There's oh, literally no. There's Walmart, literally yeah. I mean. It was
2: like do you know like when you go to a fairground and there are those punch machines and you get the real flimsy little glove. Yeah. At yeah. it was like a pair of those. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. I, I still have them I still, oh, I signed them and gave
2: them to me I, I signed them, them, them. And gave to him and gave them to him That's
1: hilarious
2: just Tweet me a picture of them Because then well, I'll, I'll put that up so people can see these gloves
1: Oh 100%, 100% I, I will but, I mean they, they were like re, It's really thin cotton Like like this, some like cotton balls or something oh, with a paddock.
0: goodness in. mate And he was slapping you around with them <laughs> That's That's hilarious <laughs> That's gold. Uh, you tell me one one time. Uh, I think he said he's only ever submitted you once, and then he, he regretted it because in the afternoon. No, 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 no. no,
2: no. I I've never, even, I've never submitted him ever. Ever, right? Okay. Never, ever what submitted. What was the him.
0: one you said? Then he like, came in this, and whooped
2: you. Yeah, this is it. So we're we we messing around before one wrestling practice. Like I just got into town, so when I just get into town, it's like oh, we ain't seen each other for a little bit. We're <laughs> little bit, puppies. Yeah, it's literally. Like, yeah. yeah, we start. <laughs> so like before, uh, re- it's like just the warm up, and him start like warming. Up, but we're going at it a little bit having a bit of a laugh and like, just and he, he takes a, a shot and this is a wrestling practice and I caught him in like in, a, in one of my funky chokes and like I thought he's gonna tap but he didn't tap he was just like moving and the next minute like, he, he he went out Ooh. and I was just like oh and he he was laying on the floor and, I, and like, I'm like this is like the warm-up so like I shouldn't have been doing this I didn't want to get in, <laughs> I didn't want to get in trouble by like the coaches like and I was like, "Oh, you woke him up," and he looked so shocked. Like, what's going on? And like, uh, Carla told him. And then later, later on, that after the pass, he goes, "Do you, do you, want, do you want to train tonight?" <laughs> and I'm like, and he goes, do you, "Do you want to go over um, some 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 moves tonight? Do you want to do a little bit?" Of...? I'm like, "Okay, cool." I got so abused that 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 night. It was beyond belief. It's like, like, do you know what? I don't know if you ever when you you, you grapple now, Brian. So yeah. when you go with someone you've never been before, right? Yeah the first tap is always, always the hardest. Yeah. You know, like, you don't want to tap. Of course. Right? But when you get tapped, like, 20-odd times, it gets to the stage where I was just tapping for, like, what's the point? I mean, like, what is the point <laughs> of even trying to defend this? He's just, literally, I got so abused that I, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson.
1: No, the, I remember because the, uh, we were drilling wrestling at the beginning of practice. But we still kind of, you know, you shoot a takedown, and, and, you know, he kind of, like, threatened the choke, just kind of goofing around, but we're supposed to be drilling wrestling. I remember the wrestling coach kind of got mad at us, because you know, like I'm, I go unconscious, I wake up all confused, like what's going on, and it's like we're supposed to be like drilling, like. But you know, sometimes you just do that. You you know when you kind of give a little feel, you start playing, and I mean you had to choke a lot tighter than I thought it. <laughs>
2: So technically, you know, you went out. I still never in my career made
0: Mike Brown tap. Wow, there so. you go. They're not not many human beings ever, I imagine. And you talk there about the coach getting a little bit annoyed. You've you've shifted to becoming one of the most recognizable and and best coaches in, in MMA for off the back of your amazing uh, uh, MMA career as well. What's what's that transition been like? Because. The, the way you've taken to it, and you just look around your match, the champions you've brought through, the champions you've got, you've got Dustin Poirier now fighting for a title at the weekend as well. What's what's that transition from fighter to coach been like for you?
1: Uh, just super lucky to be where I'm at, super lucky to be at American Top Team where there are so many amazing athletes. You know, it's, These guys are, are so talented. I mean, I'm just you know, I'm trying to help guide them or... or give them the best advice I can, but, you know, these are thoroughbreds, you know, these guys are going to be world champs wherever they go, these guys are studs, you know, so, I don't want to take any credit for that, Dustin Poirier, monster, super excited, he's just a gifted guy, with a ton of punching power, great conditioning, and a female athlete.
2: Yeah, I say, Brian, not like, I, I know you don't want to blow your own trumpet, but honestly, I think you're the best coach in MMA, period, you know, like, just your your, your insight, your knowledge, your way of coaching, your guidance, everything is is amazing. So I know you don't want to blow your own trumpet, but I'll blow it for you.
1: Ah, thanks, man. Give
2: me that tenor later, yeah? <laughs> yeah. You can pay back <laughs> me that money later, yeah?
0: Now, look, we're going to talk about Dustin Poirier, but there's there's been some uh, other spotlights on some of your fighters recently. UFC London, when you came over here, George Masvidal put on an amazing performance, a stunning performance, um, and his sort of stock has risen off the back of that and off the back of what happened uh, after the fight as well, with did the three-piece and soda. Uh, I mean, you've known him for so long now, and you talked a little bit about um, where he was mentally for this one, and, and the journey he's come on that how happy are you that he's getting the the respect and the shine that he deserves because as a fan of mma he's there's there's not many better that that you can sit back and enjoy and watch
1: yeah i mean i always thought this would happen sooner for this guy i mean like obviously you can see super charismatic you know i'm I'm surprised the ufc never pushed him earlier like just give this guy a microphone you know he's very authentic really good talker amazing fighter i mean he's been fighting since a, a kid, literally on the streets of Miami. I mean, he's, he's as real as they come, and uh, so gifted. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't push this guy sooner. You know, he had some things. Like, I think a, a lot of sometimes trouble outside of the cage. You know, personal things. You know, like that that were distractions for him. And this was camp was different, man. I could see it. I feel i sort of said it many times. Like, I was I was blown away at his, you know, his conditioning. His focus was much different than before. And I asked him about it. You know, and he thought, like, man, I just got my stuff in order, and and I'm stress free, and I can see a difference. You know, and uh, and then it and it showed in the fight, and I was so really happy for the guy.
0: Uh, it, it was a super impressive knockout against against Darren Tillou in, in his backyard as well, which is uh, uh which is an amazing thing to do. Then the altercation kicked off with Leon Edwards. Where where were you when that happened? Were you in and around there? Did you see it kick off?
1: I was talking to Brad. I was me and Brad are in the corner. You know, like. You know, I I think chatting about the fight, you know, going over this and that. You know, then the next thing we know, we see people, you know, pushing each other around. Like, you see some commotion, so we both jet over there. And then the first thing I see is Edwards is bleeding, you know. And I'm like, oh, this dude got hit. And then I see it's it's Masvidal, you know. And I'm like, oh, it's George. And I try to get in there and, you know, try to, like, keep, you know, keep things cool. Make sure, you know, nothing, you know, gets any worse than it is, you know.
0: Crazy and has uh, Masvidal been back
2: in the gym yet? Or is he still out there playing? Is he still at IHOP?
1: Nah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. No, he's back in the gym. He's already he's already preparing. I think you know. I think the Askin fight is probably next, and, and he's already working hard. Dude, he's very focused, like more focused than, than I've ever seen him. He so has so many skills that he really like just puts himself completely all in when he when he wants to work on one aspect. He merges himself with. Whether it's wrestling, whether it's Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, whatever it is, he goes all in for for months or possibly years, and he gets so good at, at that area. He focuses, and, and he's been focusing heavy on his wrestling lately. You know, I and mean, it's he's a very, very talented wrestler.
0: Uh, I spoke to Claudio Silva a couple of weekends, uh, the weekend after. Um... UFC London and he's trained with Brad and and he spoke to me about Masvidal and the first thing he said he said his wrestling is unreal just little techniques and that's coming from Claudio Silva a high-level grappler Uh, Damien Meyer said for his in his opinion he gave him the most trouble of any MMA jiu-jitsu player uh, down there so you talk about his skill set is that what excites you about this Askren fight that there's some things in his locker people maybe haven't seen that if they're writing him off because of the style of Ben Askren they might be surprised?
1: Uh, yeah i mean i'm su- super confident in him and uh so self george is uh is a very very tough george i don't think any will anybody will beat him if, if every if everything's in order and 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 then that seems what, what he has right now his life is in order he's in a good spot mentally he got, he's in his I, I believe his physical prime and uh hey and it's good when a guy's undefeated. that's what you want you want the you want the mountain the big mountain to, to climb the big challenge you know, you want to be the first one to uh to Put that loss on the record. Uh,
0: is it difficult to train, though, with uh, all of Colby's women in the gym and all the Donald Trump hats lying around the place? Is that 40,000 square foot getting smaller by the day?
1: Thankfully, he doesn't carry that into the gym. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he just carries a, a boatload of ass with him. usually. He's a, a problem for many people, man. They got, he's a monster on the back.
0: I believe that. I absolutely believe it. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about this fight that's coming up now. So Dustin Poirier, obviously... Uh, I mean, he's been in the game for so long. We were just looking back before this show at the Fightville documentary that was 2011. Then he fought Holloway 2012 and worked his way through 145. is rejuvenated at 155. Uh, I mean, as far as your journey with him, what's, what's it been like watching him evolve as a fighter?
1: It's really cool to see the evolution of a guy like this. You know, who, you know, Of course, he gets better from every fight, but particularly the losses. You know, you hear it all the time. You learn more from a loss. But with this guy, you, you've seen it big time where, where he's kind of analyzed what's uh, gone wrong and, and made big changes, and he's, he's at his peak. You know, he's, he, he's so he's so good, and he hits so hard and he has such good conditioning. But he, he used to always go out there and just, like, uh, try to kill the guy, crush the guy in the first minute. Like, I'm going to get this guy out of here right now at whatever cost, you know. And, and that would work four out of five times. Um, but you never got a chance to see how good his conditioning is, how, how strategic he can be, how, how technical he is. By breaking the guy down, taking your time, being a little bit more safe, he's going to put his hands on you eventually. You know, no need to do it in the first minute. Let the fight play out a little bit. Use your skill. Pick this guy apart, break him down, and then KO him in the second, third, or fourth.
0: Uh, and they obviously fought way back in 2012. Uh, did, did you take anything from that? Did you watch that fight and, and look, or, or is Max such a different fighter now, Dustin, that that means pretty much nothing apart from a notch on the record?
1: Not a ton you can take, because they are um, completely different fighters back yeah. then. You know, they've both improved so much, but it's got to be something for the confidence inside. Yeah, mentally. I think. Dustin's had. Yeah, he's done it before, you know. He knows what the guy feels like, like Physically, so nothing he hasn't seen before.
0: And what about um, Holloway? What what changes do you think you've seen in him? What's what's the biggest difference from Holloway 2012 to to the Holloway we're looking at now?
1: You know, he just kind of fine tuned his game. He's a, he's a, a little more precise. The footwork's a little better. He's, I mean, I think he's you know master at keeping range and still pressuring you, Keep, keeping just outside of striking range for you and, and keeping himself where he can, he can land his strikes. And uh, keeping that pressure on. A, a lot of guys uh, slow down and, and, and uh, get tired from that pressure. You know, it's, it's stressful. But uh, this is one place Dustin excels. He doesn't fatigue like, like a lot of other fighters will. And uh, he's really dangerous with both hands and both legs. He kicks very hard, punches are very hard. And it doesn't go away from, from round one to round five. So it's hard to get through 25 minutes without being hurt by this guy. I wouldn't want to be on the on the other side of it. to Be
0: honest. <laughs> I mean, you just describing that, I've just got goosebumps. I've got adrenaline running through my uh, my veins right now. Just thinking about this matchup. You've got all these fights coming up, all these big matchups, especially this one at the weekend. How do you sleep at night? What's the, What's the deal? What What do you do so you can close your eyes and not think about these amazing fights and all these opportunities, the the belts, everything like that? How do you switch off?
1: is exciting, but usually a couple of glasses of wine will be. <laughs> <laughs> Old school, mate. What are we talking?
0: Not Conor McGregor's rose. I'm guessing. What? What? What are you drinking?
1: Oh, anything red. Uh, you know, my palate is not sophisticated by any means, but well, um, that helps to sleep, no doubt.
0: So Brad didn't uh, switch you on to his Pepsi Max addiction. Other Coca Colas are available, obviously, but uh, you've not you've not broken into that level yet.
1: No, actually, back in the day, I probably. Eating better now than I did when I was fighting. Unfortunately,
0: I, I was always I like the Mountain Dew. I on Mountain Dew, and I would
1: like, oh Mountain Dew. I don't
2: drink soda mate. anymore, but I used to back in the day. Yeah, terrible place. So I, I, love, I love soda. I used to always went over there I just drink all the time. Oh, and also I used to like had this thing called uh, Crystal Light. I used to add it to my water. And, and Crystal like, light. Yeah, it's like a, like a sugar free as well, but it's like makes it water flavored. And and my brandy always make fun of me because that's all I drink. And they'd be like, I say, "Where's my water?" And he goes, "That is not water." And I'm like,
1: <laughs> "It is water." You know that?
0: Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brad.
1: Brad never, never, ever will drink water. Even even like. Yeah, in between rounds at the gym, he has crystal light. Oh, he's, you're kidding. And he calls it water. He, he calls it water. It is water, <laughs> just a little bit of flavor in it. And he's not joking. He's like, hey, get me. It's, it's bright red.
0: <laughs> it's not water, mate. It's bright red for a start.
1: It's super sweet, you know, <sighs> and uh, it's, it's pretty hysterical
0: that's that's it and uh, and before, before we let you disappear let's let's jump back into your history with Brad is there any moment that stands out with him in the gym during a fight post fight party that really sticks in your head that sums up Brad Pickett for you
1: i have a, i mean 1000 moments
0: we'll, we'll be doing an extended podcast <laughs> we
1: can go we can go on any any tangent you know i mean go, going going from the the diet another funny one about Brad is like vegetables and like vegetables of course Except peas and carrots. Only peas and carrots.
0: London boy, uh, mate. Yeah. London boy.
1: Yeah, preferably in a can. <laughs> Something that you know. has got, got some sodium in it. It's old.
0: There's more nutrition in the can than there is in those peas and carrots, mate. Exactly.
1: Yeah, do it. But my, some of my some of my favorite stories about Brad probably involves his uh, his front tooth. <laughs> I so knew
2: this was, was gonna come up. That love-
1: he was that he, he loses it everywhere. It's always <laughs> falling out. We always thought, like, if the sto- if the tooth could write a book, it would be amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> tell tell them one story about my tooth, and I kind of think I know which one you're going to say.
1: There's there's many, many. but Probably one of my favorites is we're at, like, this, like, you know, trendy uh, Miami dance club, you know. Back in the day, we're at this, I don't know it's called Mansion, I think, and, and down in South Beach, and we're, like, all, you know, everybody's dancing, whatever. Next thing you know, Brad and a couple people, I think maybe me too, all... While looking on the floor, the attorney comes over with uh, the, the little flashlights. What are you looking for? It's like, Brad's tooth. i looking for Brad's tooth. <laughs> and then like, oh, I got it. I got it mate. He finds it, puts it back in, right back to dancing.
0: Oh, ladies, lucky ladies. Yeah, eh, That's it. Oh, dearie me. Well, look, mate, this has been been an absolute pleasure. Honour for me as well to speak to you properly. I've been a huge fan of you as a fighter and and as a coach. So uh, uh, thank you you for the time. Best of luck this weekend. I'll let Brad just give you one more emotional message before you disappear.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike, for coming on. Really appreciate it. And all the best for this weekend.
0: Uh, Send uh, Dustin my love.
1: All right on. Thanks, man. And good seeing you last week. uh, Take care, brother.
0: All right. Take care, man. Thanks again, mate. Cheers. So that was Mike Brown. That's uh, look. That's you got a bit emotional there, mate. Just no, I missed, him, in...
2: I missed him. I missed the he was my best man of my wedding. You know, like yeah. he's a really, really good friend of mine. And
0: uh... is there a copy of that speech anywhere that we could put up? I forget forget <laughs> the boxing gloves. Where you're slapping them about with illegal gloves on? Is the oh, yeah. uh... What about the, the 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 wedding speech? How was that?
2: It was good. It was, I had two two best men. Him and my brother did yeah. it, and uh, they had this thing called Bradisms, which I do a lot. Where yeah, it, I think that's online somewhere. That part, you know. But uh, yeah, it was good. He, he I mean, like my Brown for me is just a, a runnable kind of human being and one of the best coaches you'll ever know. Like, wow. really, like you can see when he's speaking. Then he is me and him have the same kind of like a lot of this this regardless of where we have a lot of the same sort of mindsets when it came to fighting and and, and you see that he's very humble and he doesn't want want to take any shine away from any of the fighters but I I guarantee you the reason for their success and the the gym's success now is to do with him and the the way he he coaches not only just coaches he brings structure uh, and like yeah he's just Really, I mean, a world class, world class coach.
0: People that know him now, the MMA fans now who missed the WEC days, yeah, he was a, a crazy Peace. fighter. He Peace. beat Uriah Faber twice, once in two minutes fifty seconds or yeah, something like that, that to win yeah. the title. Yeah. Then defended. I got, the got his title. fight shorts
2: from that fight. Oh, I got awesome. got them framed. But it's like
0: he's a legit beast. He was the true like when they when you talk about these lighter weight classes come through, they always talk about Eve Edwards. I think as yeah. the one fifty five. The first one to come through at that one forty five. He was Mike an Brown. absolute beast. That I Brown. remember
2: seeing him as well. Like well, he was the reason I went down a weight class because I used to be. I, <laughs>
0: I, I, <laughs> I ain't fighting that. That's
2: no, least I wasn't even joking. <laughs> it was that I, I, when I went over to America for the first time, and he said. I remember going there. Because um, you were and, cage and, age I, mean, I was channel. I was. The, I was ranked number one in Europe at like one hundred forty five pounds, and I went over there thinking I was the bee's knees. And I, I went over and I'm like looking at him and I'm like. Yeah, he's a he's well <laughs> weight. What, what weight do you fire, Mike? 145. What's 145? I didn't know then. What's 145? Uh, six, six, featherweight. I'm like, 66 six kilos. <laughs> he went, yeah, and I'm like, what are you on about? You do not waste in like, uh, I was like, I was so shocked at how the size of the guy. And uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> That's the, he was the main reason I went down to 135. Oh, man. You know, he was like, mate, and also, obviously, us back in the day, we didn't really know much about weight. Obviously, it was very ripe within the, the wrestling world, which we didn't wrestle yeah, back Yeah, it's the culture, isn't it? Yeah, so we didn't know about that too much. So I remember, that's. I'll be honest with you, that's why I used to do quite well back in England, knowing how to cut weight and wrestle, because that's when I went over there, and that's why I guess I moved away from the pack pretty quick, within in england because i got that early um uh, yeah, early, education. Uh, yeah, education yeah education of, of the sport but now as you see like people like nathaniel and stuff like that they have they go over to america and they just mm-hmm. learn from from me and me traveling and me coming back showing them techniques so now it's not as essential but back in my day it was so essential to be able to travel and go and train because there just was not knowledge around
0: yeah of course of course uh, and he's got the main event there dustin poirier takes on Max Holloway, then you've got the Co Main event, which is Gasolin versus Adesanya at UFC 236. Now, this is. Something I'm excited know, about that fight. But I'm excited about both fights. But I'm going to ask you a question before we talk about them. They're both for interim titles. Okay. What's your thoughts on interim titles? Because it's. Even with Holloway now fighting for this, the lightweight interim title, nothing's been said about him holding the 145. What does that mean? Is he going to defend both? Even with Cormier, they wouldn't let him have the heavyweight and the light heavyweight. So he had to vacate the light heavyweight. So when you start putting these other titles in. I know they want them for pay-per-views, but do you think it dilutes the value of, of what it is?
2: 100% it dilutes the value I have in the belt. I, I honestly believe that, because I don't get wrong, there is a place for an interim belt. Yeah. In my eyes, if the champion's out for a long, long time, and he will come back, and he's going to be the first fight that's made. But you see now, like, like Tony Ferguson was an interim champ at one point. You know, like, what's that? I mean, now it's just, it makes no sense as these. It's kind of a little bit confusing
0: sometimes. Like who's the what's the champ, yeah. I mean, yeah. and who's next? So you got the Colby Covington thing with um, yeah. uh, well, Usman fought Woodley, yeah. and now Usman has the title, but Colby was the engine champ. Yeah, so. for me, yeah, it's just kind of like doesn't
2: for me it, it's very very confusing, and it, it makes too many champions. I think it dilutes the the the. Being an interim trap now doesn't mean nothing. Apart from the only thing I would say is it probably gives them a better payday, yeah. which is, uh, I'm always for that with the yeah, fighters. Sure. You know, it gives them a better payday for well for that, you know. So uh, that's the only thing I think is good for the fighters. The,
0: the other thing I'm going to ask you about belts as well, mate, and I know you've got your own thoughts and feelings on this because I've seen you be awkward around a belt before, yeah. is you don't think you should hold a belt, like as in, say it's yours, or, or have a picture with a belt unless you've earned the belt, right? Yeah, but... There's a big but to this. Isn't it?
2: everyone's different? You know? And just for me personally, I, I would never want to hold a belt or wear a belt that I, I haven't earned. But you, I, I saw, I look after a girl called Olga Rubin, and she's fighting for the uh, the Bellator 145 belt. Um, and she said to me, "Oh, you know, like, do I?" Because she heard what I said, and I said, "Look, do what you want." Because yeah, then, yeah. then, I said, "It's just, it's just my personal preferences." But then I, I said, "You know what?" Because I saw what. um, Henry, hey, Henry yeah, yeah, with
0: he, Jessica Ryan. Yeah, he yeah. said,
2: "Look, wear this belt, you know, and, and visualize it." And I think visualization for a fighter is very important as well. So if you want to wear that belt and visualize yourself being a champion, of course, do that. You know, if that if that benefits you, do that. Yeah. But I'd say for me, it wasn't like that. For me, it's like out of respect for a belt, I don't want to earn that belt to wear it. But I do see the other side of the coin where
0: if I want to wear that belt to visualise me having that belt, I get that too. It's just uh, when we were at this other promotion and the belt was there and we got a chance to hold the belt you were holding well, it like so he, a, a father uh, who like didn't want fish. the dns dna test to say yes it was basically you just didn't know where to put I, it or yeah. how to hold it and it was uh, uh it was interesting i'm only saying that i'm bringing that up because kevin Gaston at the last event uh, when he was supposed to be fighting robert whittaker for the belt uh, robert whittaker came out of the thing then the next day when the event was on he walked around the venue with the belt on his shoulder and this is during the adesanya fight as well adesanya versus anderson Silva, and adesanya was saying take the belt off you look stupid you look like a fool um i didn't know if you had any Thoughts on what Gastelum was doing there with regards it's to it's the
2: mental side of things, and like I say, two ways you can look at it he may be doing that to the, he may feel like I'm the champ, it's always personal preference to how they feel and also how you look upon it. You know, you may look at everything as very disrespectful, but you can look in the different way. Well, he's probably doing that because he feels confident, he wants to be the champ. So for me, I wouldn't do that, like, like I'm a ve- very like humble sort of person as well and don't get me wrong belts mean a lot i mean i would fight for a certain organization if i like look at their belt if they, <laughs> know, i mean that's what some, some shows don't realize how important, the belt
0: matters. The belt how important matters. It, it is yeah. if yeah. i'm going
2: to put my body on the line and don't get ready paydays as well but if i'm gonna put my belt on the line that belt better be nice yeah, you know? yeah. like I, I and it makes me proud don't get me wrong i'm very proud of the belts that I, i've won throughout my career but I'm not going to do like what Tim Silvey did and walk around Walmart with him, you know? like Because <laughs> like, that's not about me either. I'm not, I don't like to show off. In a weird way, it's good. Like, I'm proud of everything in my, my accomplishments, but I'm not also, don't
0: like to rub it in, putting in people's faces. Nothing that's wrong either, but it's just how I am, you know? Uh, so we'll talk about the fights now. So Israel Adesanya takes on um, Kevin Gastelum. Yeah. Now uh, Gastelum has said he doesn't believe Adesanya's done enough to earn this shot. He's 16-0 Adesanya, 5-0 in the UFC. 16-0 just says it all. Yeah, uh, but it's not just... The, the record is how he's getting these wins, right? Anderson Silva was his last victory. Unanimous decision there. Uh, knocked out Derek, Derek Brunson at UFC 230. Brad Tavares, uh, five-round decision. So he's, he's... he's I think how many He's, he, he's done enough. Two 100%. finishes in his in his five fights, but it's the style. I and mean, that's that's his whole thing, right? Not, not even, like I say, his style of fighting is very, very fun to watch. But also,
2: like you always, always say within the sport, there's two, two things about... Getting fired in this sport, it's not just being excited fire, being excited off camera yeah. as well, and, and like on his social media and stuff, he, he's he's funny, he's box yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. he's
2: very very you know, going wrong. Also, when you're that type of person, you kind of bring a lot of attention to you, good and bad. But but you bring a lot of attention, and when you do that, and the UFC sees that, they're like, oh, okay, cool, you know, and they
0: what, what but, I say like feed that yeah, monster yeah, exactly. to make that monster grow, you know. Uh, So he's coming in as the favourite here, but one thing Kevin Gastelum might well be is the king of the underdog fights. So he was the last pick on the tough series he was on. He won that. Um, And then... All these fights where he missed weight a middle, uh, well to weight, and then got forced to go up to middleweight, took out Michael Bisping after yeah. uh, his fight with. Um, in, in style as well. In absolute style. So he's got some big finishes as well. Ronaldo Souza, he beat him. Tim Kennedy, he finished him. Johnny Hendricks, he's beaten along the way. Nate Marcourt. So he's. He's seasoned. He, he's seasoned, he, but he's always classed as the underdog. He's always the smaller man in the division, but he somehow finds a way to win. And I think he kind of thrives there. Which I think, stylistically, when you look at it, you think this is set up for the the style bender. This is set up for Edesanya. The range, the length, the style of of Gastelum. But I the way not, Gastelum I rises not. to an occasion, you can't take that out of account. But
2: also, we're st- yeah, of course, when you look at it, that's why I love this sport so much. It's like you can you can see this fight going in so many different ways, and like. In your head, I'm always right, Do you know. Why? Because I've pictured it in so many different ways that one <laughs> You've of them ticked the box. Yeah, 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 one of them, one of them is going to happen, you know. But I, I see Star Starbender with his really good rangey style, being. Very elusive and picking him off, but then also I, go, I can see Gas being a little bit smaller, doing a bit more of a like and Piggy style, throwing a big overhand right and, catch and him, catching, catching him because him yeah. he, st- he stands very tall. Yeah. But then also I can see him maybe getting in, getting a takedown and wrestling. Then also I can see I can see him taking a shot and walking it, getting in the. I can see. I mean, like there's this is so what he, many, yeah, so, so many. many. But where it happens. The one that was in my head that it happens is
0: the one I I, I meant to say. Yes, Yes, of course it it is, mate. Of course it is. Next week, that's the one you'll be saying that you were highlighting. I told you. (laughs) And then uh, we'll just have a quick chat about Dustin and Max Holloway. This is interesting. Max Holloway now stepping up into this weight class. We saw the improvement in Dustin Poirier since he's come to 155. Looks thick and strong and he can really take a punch. You saw that in the um, Gaethje fights as well as some of the other ones as well. But Max Holloway... How many fights is he undefeated now? His last defeat was Conor McGregor. That was back in 2013. And now. I fought on that card as well. You were on He's that in card. Boston, right? That's right. The Boston yeah. one where they gave McGregor the, the champion walkout, even though he was down the <laughs> card. They turned the lights <laughs> out, didn't they? Josie Aldo twice. He's beaten in the last three times. And then Brian Ortega in his last fight. I this say, is, yeah. this, I'm excited to see what he will do at lightweight. Uh, I am but yeah again he
2: just absolutely kind of puts another weight class in complete like standstill. on what the hell is going on with the now the featherweights kind of thing so I can see I can see it you know but he also he has the big frame for 145 so I don't see him uh, looking any won't look small at 155 at no, all no he's, he's I, tall yeah yeah so both of these guys yeah I the think but it's going to be a good fight you know yeah. And I can see both of them. Dustin hits hard. He hits so hard as well. And also with with Max Holly, he gets hit. He's ve- he he get hit. But then also he has a very good range and stuff. Like that. I think where Max Holly really did do well at one forty five was his height and range. A bit like a McGregor. You know, McGregor was really good when he was a lot taller, bigger guy. Yeah, but. I, he's not going to be that much bigger than... Uh, oh, yeah. I think he's a
0: little bit taller and pointed, tra- you know? Taller yeah. and a bit, a bit of a reach advantage as well, yeah. But not
2: not considerable amount, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really interested in this, you know. Really interested.
0: I like it because they're both pressure fighters as well. Like, yeah. uh, they put you on the back foot. They'll they'll make sure they're in your face all the time. And, one and of them's got to take a back step. That's what I'm going to say. That's, yeah. One of them's got to take that backward step. And I think that could be the, the telling factor. But can't wait for that fight. Um, so, off the back of all the... Uh, Bad news that was kicking off with Twitter and stuff. I had a little feel-good story happen to me at the weekend. I was up in Manchester at a local show, Ice FC, and ex-UFC fighter, the Daywalker, representing him here, Aaron Wilkinson, That's might me just repping a T-shirt if you're watching on on, uh, on YouTube, made a little a young man's uh, dreams come true. There's a, a young man up in Wigan, I believe it's Wigan, training with Tom Blackledge. He's got learning difficulties, and he was going through a few issues behaviour-wise. So Tom Blackledge... Andy Clamp, James Lewis, all brought him into the uh, into the gym. Started training with him, just giving him two, three nights a week, just something to do to come out there and there. Uh, and he asked Tom to have a fight, and he fought UFC veteran. Aaron Wilkinson and beat him in the first round by head and arm choke in two minutes which was just amazing to see this young man make the walk and just what it meant to all the friends and family and all that so with all the stuff all the... That rocks, wasn't his first fight? That was his first... That was him... Was it an exhibition? It was an exhibition. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you shocked me now. I got a world <laughs> shot. I was like, what? Was but like- it was it was amazing, mate. Yeah. And as far as when you're looking at all those bad news and people jumping yeah. on that and making that when there's these little stories that go around that uh, uh, just make you feel it's, good. It'd be necessary. What people don't get is and obviously
2: we beat each other up a lot, right? It's such a big and but small community, MMA, and we really do really root for each other. And we, and we always look for the greater good. Most don't you get a few bad apples here and there, but generally, we just like yeah, we do our best to, to like uh, what I did throughout my career, trying to, to detach the, the what you people have, like the uh, persona, what a, I don't even like the word cage fight. No, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like I use. Well, I'm a mixed martial artist. I'm a, I'm a trained yeah. athlete. You know, so. Yeah, it's good to see that there's a lot of good out there. And I think people who actually fight as a profession, they don't fight in
0: the streets or anything like that, you know, like... Well, this this know. is the thing. They had uh, a lady called Stacey Dooley. I think she won Strictly Come Down. She does uh, documentaries. And she was doing a documentary at the event. And uh, one of the things that I I'd, I'd noticed surprised her was just what you think fighters are going to be like and what they're actually like. The respect, the discipline, the sacrifice, all that stuff that people don't see when they just see a cage or they just see the aftermath of a fight or... Or, or anything. So uh, that whole thing, I just thought, congratulations to James yeah. Gallagher for 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 training and getting in there. Aaron Wilkinson, what a legend he is to uh, to give that young man the opportunity and, and all those people up there. So just wanted to give them a little shout out and a little feel good story. Uh, but jumping back to uh, online beefs, the All Stars podcast with Danny Mitchell, ex UFC fighter, yeah. has been uh, has been mentioning our names, mate. Dropping their name, my name in particular. Yours, mate. Yeah, yours. No, no one's calling me out. <laughs> so they want they want me. He's oh, Danny Mitchell, obviously. The UFC fighter, amazing uh, grappler, jiu-jitsu player as well. Um, but Josh Goodgen, who's the co-host for him, he's a white belt in jiu-jitsu as well, as am I. And uh, they've basically said they want to put on what they have phrased, not me, a super fight between me and that. It's, fed- not a, it's not a fight though it's, right. it's, but in pyjamas a cuddle a cuddle mate a, cuddle. I, I, a super cuddle uh, so we with we're, no rules no, no, I'd love that mate let's do that let's unleash the no rules um, combat jiu-jitsu how do you feel about that uh, but I've got no idea what, when or where but I was saying what we should also do is if we're going to do something then the other podcast hosts the ex UFC fighters themselves you and Danny Mitchell yeah. should, uh, should also step up and Danny Mitchell has suggested an eating contest I love Danny Mitchell, and that's completely
2: fine. I'll do that. I don't like all you're gonna say because I know you've been trying to do this for a long, long
0: time. <laughs> I just think maybe we should make the people decide.
2: No, no, this is don't. this is how no. we do it. So
0: I, su- my suggestion is, you both do your first ever comedy gig. Never. I'm stepping out of my world to go in there and compete in combat sports in my pajamas. So I think you should, you and Danny Mitchell, after your eating contest, should maybe have to do five minutes stand up at a club somewhere. What do you reckon? No, but- <laughs> in fact, oh, I'd love to yeah. hashtag one punch pods. Uh, get involved. Go. Don't and get you, involved. Please do Let us know don't. what you think if if Brad Pickett and Danny Mitchell should do their first ever comedy gig after uh, me. And Josh oh, I, I tell you what, if we do it together, that won't be as bad.
2: I'm more up for that. There if you I, go. Because for me, this is what I don't know why it's the weirdest thing. I've always said this. Me and public speaking, chatting to one person in front of millions, obviously listeners, yeah. right? So like, I'm fine, but if I had to address a crowd. Little even ten to even bit of calm it, mouth. Oh my god! I oh, want the squeaky ground. I want the ground to just swallow me. <laughs> I can't adjust the ground. But this after a it. fight with Joe Rogan in uh, there, I could chat to him, one person, yeah. about everything. Okay. Or I could be on a stage, whatever, chatting to one person, interview me about anything. Like me now, I'm chatting to you, one person. No problem. Fight. But when I have to address this audience, I'm listen, like, oh, my we're God. Gonna make the people, I'd rather get the, punched in listen, the face by
0: Tyson. The, pe- the people are going to decide. No, Would you not. rather see Brad Pickett get punched in the face by Tyson Please. or do his first ever stand-up comedy gig, taking on Danny Mitchell in a clap-off, a laugh-off, to see who is Take the Taking on, funnest. so
2: is, I mean, oh. I so like I'm a just... little b-
0: a roast battle oh. between the two. That would be good. That would be awesome if we did, like, a roast
2: battle. Well, he's got a cheesecake assassin, obviously. You know, i come up with a few good ones. On that. I, I tell you what, don't you... Don't give away
0: your material no, no. now, no, mate. No,
2: I should have an, an advantage, because you're... Com- well, <laughs> what people don't, right, I've never even realised, but, but actually, Brian is a professional comedian. That's right? it. Most of my audiences don't realise that either, it That's very the but you have to help me one more. I help you train for the jiu-jitsu, well, and we, we, we'll, we'll have to set some we'll rules on this. this. We have but to win Listen, this thing. listen, listen. We'll win So
0: this The All Stars Pod. That's our response. All right. We've got to set up some more levels to this. But I think we should. Uh, we should definitely get this on. Yeah, mate. I you train
2: reckon? you. You train me. Done. Deal. <laughs> Deal. Deal. <laughs>
0: Uh, so look that is it that is it for this week we've got the UFC coming up on uh, on Saturday night so, uh, so early Sunday morning here in the UK UFC 236 check out BT Sport at BT Sport UFC on Twitter at BT Sport on Instagram and uh, and you'll be able to find out exactly when the shows are on uh, early morning again for us to watch the UFC but that's all we will just snuggling our onesie again yeah. and with our Horlicks cuddling Should we do that again Uh Again, yeah,
2: yeah, okay, yeah. again, yeah, yeah, we'll do that again. <laughs> just, I'm sure my <laughs> wife and
0: kids, you know, wouldn't uh, have any. Listen, to... my wife and kids are going away for two weeks. So I'm going to be lonely, mate. I'm <laughs> going to be honestly, lonely. No,
2: I'm not even joking. You can come stay in my house, a hundred percent. Amazing. I've just had a man cave built down the bottom of my garden. You'd be down there keep yourself to yourself it's all fine
0: Guys, okay, that's, that's beautiful that's where I'll be living so look that's that's it from us again uh, give us a review on iTunes uh, get involved hashtag one punch pod if you want to send any questions uh, or you want to get involved at one underscore punch is Brad's uh, Twitter and Instagram at Brian Lacey MMA is mine thank you for listening thank you for watching we'll be back next week one last word from Mr Pickett um, that'll you, do yeah you got me <laughs> public speaking <laughs>
2: First part in West Philadelphia, born and raised, chilling out, relaxing, acting all cool, shooting some bebop outside the school with a couple of guys, got up to no good, started causing trouble in my neighbourhood. I got in one little fight, and my mum got scared and said, you're moving your auntie, uncle to... Bel Air." there. And <laughs> goes it goes, out of a cab, cab, and when it came near, the licence on the plate said the dice in the mirror. If anything... I thought this cab was where I bought home. No, forget it. We're off to the Bel-Air.
0: Yo, home to Bel-Air.
2: That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been some time. Come on.